911. Where is your emergency? America's 911 call takers work around the clock to keep us safe, answering more than 240 million calls each year. They support and protect all of us. And they deserve our support, too. That's why this April, National 911 Education Month, we want to thank our area's 911 call takers and dispatchers by sharing their stories. Thank you, 911, for being there when we need you most. Visit thankyou911.org to show your gratitude today. Hello and welcome back to 10 Questions. Today's guest is the four-time Logie Award-winning actor, singer and dancer, Hugh Sheridan. Hugh grew up in Adelaide with six brothers and sisters, studied ballet with the Australian Ballet, sang with the State Opera of South Australia and studied acting at the National Institute of Dramatic Art. Hugh's major break was playing Ben Rafter in the Channel 7 hit, Packed to the Rafters, and what followed was the limited series In Excess, Never Tear Us Apart, House Husbands, and five bedrooms. Right now, Hugh's in Brisbane launching his new stage show, Hugh Man, which is a mixture of disco and old school cabaret, while a new series of Pact of the Rafters returns to Amazon Prime. In our chat, we talk about religion, spirituality, and the importance of having a tough Irish Catholic family. By the way, in passing, Hugh mentions their brother Zachary. The context for that was that Zachary was reported missing after the Nepal earthquake of 2015 and was later found unharmed. As usual, I started by asking Hugh when they were most happy. You know, when you're when you're in like a, a meditation or something like that, and they say to you, um, "Can you go to your happy place?" You know what I mean, or the place yeah. where you felt the safest. I always picture myself um, when I was a toddler, when I was just very, very young, like really young, and I was running across this. There's this beach in. South Australia on the Pluria Peninsula called Aldinga Beach. And it's, it's a really, well, especially as a child, it's a long distance from the sand to the water. And you, the sand was so hot and the, the bitumen was so hot. And you, my feet would just be running to get to the water, like racing. And the sand would be whipping my legs. But I was just so excited about getting in that freezing cold water. It was just, that's my happy place. So that's, that's, that I think is my happiest. And that was anywhere from, we started going to that beach when I was um, born, from the year that I was born till, I mean, I still go there now, but um, that's my happy place. And probably when I felt, I guess, the safest and happiest. Yeah, right. That's lovely. Who would you like to apologize to and why? Um, I'm, I'm pretty good with um, apologies. Like I, um, I could, I think about, there was a, an ex I had a while ago who I um, didn't talk to for a long time. And, um, you know, we, we both held grudges. And then I realized that the best thing, even though I felt like I was very hard done by, the best thing to do was to actually contact them and say, sorry and actually apologize and on my behalf and say I think you know I just want to apologize because if there was ever any time that I made you feel like you were not the most important person in my life then I'm sorry for that even though um, that person had uh, you know turned out they cheating on me the whole time and all this sort of thing oh wow and as soon as I opened the gate and as soon as I said 
sorry, this was about two or three years after the fact. Um, they, you know, said sorry straight back and said, I'm so, so sorry as well. I'm really, really, really like, I'm sorry for this and that. And that was, it's very cathartic. I think that forgiveness and um, sorries should be dealt with. Mm. I think there's times when I look back at my younger self and thought, I wish I knew this or I wish I knew that. So maybe if I was going to apologize to anyone, <laughs> like when I was younger and I didn't mm. know how to stand up for myself. Mm. But I don't think, I can't think off the top of my head anyone that I want to, that I haven't said sorry to that I needed to. That's lovely to to apologize to your former self, you know, because it's, um, one does feel like one has let oneself down a couple of times, you know. Oh, many times. Like, I mean, yeah, to, like just looking back and you think, gosh, I wish I knew that or I was stronger, I was more confident or I could have just like held my own hand and said it's going to be okay or mm. although if someone's listening and they feel like I owe them an apology, you can always message me and reach out and I'm so sorry in advance. <laughs> Lovely. What, what is your greatest regret? Regrets? I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do. I think, um, you know, I, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm like going to be just, this could be the most boring one that you've ever done. But like, no. I, I feel like even with regrets, I just have so uh, few because I'm a true believer in that everything happens for a reason and that nothing happens by chance. Mm. I had a huge regret years ago um, for taking a job that I didn't want to, I didn't want to take. And it was, it was a job to host this show and I just didn't want to do it. And in the end, my agents, I was living in New York at the time, my agents, um, even my American agents said, uh, take this job because they were offering a lot of money. And they said, um, basically take the money and run. And mm. I just, and it was a hosting thing. And I thought, no, I'm an actor. And um, there is a point to this story, I think. No, no, no. Um, so... So I, this was a huge regret because on my way back to Australia to shoot this show, I stopped in Los Angeles and um, I auditioned for Dirty Dancing, this remake of the, the movie by Kenny Ortega. And I landed in Australia. I got put straight back on a plane to go back to LA. And long story short, I got the role and I had to audition in front of uh, like 50 people, thousands of people auditioned for it. And I landed this amazing job. But because I'd said yes to this job that I didn't want to do for the money, um, because I was told to do it and, it, and it clashed by two weeks. The company that I was working with here threatened to sue Lionsgate in America if I took it. Um, at that point in time, I thought, wow, I've given up my, my I knew in my heart that I wasn't supposed to do this job. And yet I did it. And years before I'd gone to the Australian Ballet School and I always wondered why. I thought, why did I go to the Australian Ballet School? And I thought this was it, to play Johnny Castle in Dirty Dancing. Yeah. I was finally going to get to use my dancing skills. And I was really, really angry and I really regretted not trusting my gut. And I really, really just, I was so angry. I was trying very hard to get fired. I was making, like, I was, like, doing like even leaving my hotel rooms looking like 
crap like anything they were like we're not firing you you're doing the job and you have to do it and you have to live with it so in the end i did the job and i befriended one of the people in the crew and their dad had a pub and i met this young kid there working i say kid he's probably like 18 or 19 he's working as a carpenter and he wanted to get into acting and he said you know will you give me a hand i said yeah yeah so i helped him and I mentored him and I was mentoring some other young actors at the time. I put them together and they went to classes. And then he came to LA, sat on my couch. He was doing really well. And he, I didn't hear from him for a little while. He moved back to Byron. He um, met this beautiful Indigenous artist and she and he had children together. And he is now a film producer. And I, I've acted in a film for him. He has Bronte pictures. And... He encouraged me uh, about a year ago to write a, a movie. He said, do you have a movie inside of you that you want to write? And I said, well, I've got this idea for a film. And I ended up writing this film called The Dance, which is about when I went to the Australian Ballet School. Oh, wow. And I'm directing that next year. It's going to be my first movie, and he's producing it. So oh, that's fantastic. put it together now, I thought that I went to the Australian Ballet School to do Dirty Dancing, but actually I didn't do Dirty Dancing because I had to meet this kid. Yeah. And now his whole life is about film and he's actually producing the first movie that I wrote, which happens to be about my time at the ballet school. So therefore I have this thing about regrets where you, you can't, sometimes life takes a while to show you the reason why, things didn't happen so it, it takes a lot of experience to be kind of sanguine about it and just go oh well well I, it, it was so funny because i held on to that for a long time i was i was rem- regretful remorseful i was angry i felt like i like my life would have been this way and and, and now i was like oh my goodness like i i was so wrong and i didn't trust the fact that there was a different plan for me and the, the, that life had a different plan. And then that my, my journey was going to be so much better because in turn, I was also going to be helping someone else change their life. So it's, yeah. It's, it's which is better, much better. And I'm much happier with that result. I'm excited about the opportunity to direct. And also at school, I was never a good writer. I was, was you know, I was pretty dyslexic, actually, and mm. um, to sort of have written a film and been encouraged by someone who I met when they were pretty low is um, it's great in itself, like just an achievement on a oh, yeah. personal value for my younger self. <laughs> I'm just let down and said, you're a terrible writer. Um, bugger them. I wrote a movie. <laughs> That's right. Um what would you still need to do to feel you've lived a satisfactory life? Well, I think I better do the film. <laughs> I think I've got to. I think, you know, the first, the first opening line of the movie, the dance, uh, well, the, there's a message that comes up sort of before the film starts and it says this um, film is dedicated to your 16-year-old self. You are safe. You're okay. The best is yet to come. Trust me. Oh, and that's no, a message no. from me to you know, my 16-year-old self. That's great. That's a, that's a gift. It's a gift to the generations to come and to many people that probably think, oh, should have done this, should have done that, but could have, should have, would have, didn't. <laughs> Were you doing it? 
Uh, who is the person who most influenced you and how? The person that most influenced me and how is probably um, my grandmother, Addie. She was just a beautiful soul. She she was very, um, she loved birds. She would always, like, she, she saved everything. She was ready for the Depression again. Like, she, I think she was born in 1910, and um, her name was Addie Adeline, and she was very humble, very kind. She had converted at a young age from Protestant to Catholic, which if, oh, you're, wow. if you're of that generation, they often become very devout Catholics. She's a devout mm. Catholic. And she was a beautiful painter and she did yoga, which I thought was completely normal. But like, you know, now I realize that that was kind of not strange, but it was just, she was just a very unique, and she was very kind and very very caring and she uh like as even though she was catholic i mean she i think i recall as she got older she would you know she would cry about like hating ants so she was kind of buddhist as well she just cared about everything and her backyard was full of feathers i have these I have a, not that you can see it very well, but I actually have a white feather tattoo there, which is ah. moved by the sort of black feather there, which is sort of for her. Here, oh. actually, mm, I wish you could see it because I, I have a few white tattoos, but they, they don't come up very well. But anyway, there it says Alma Fuerte in her handwriting. Not that she was Spanish or anything, but my mum sort of do her handwriting. And I asked her to write it. Mum said, what does that mean? And I said, it means strong soul and mum said what was it for and i said oh tattoo that was the first tattoo i ever got i was 30 and um not that i have many but you know mum was horrified and i said well you know but when i showed her and it was in her and gran's handwriting and it, i told her what it meant i said it's just to remind me that uh because you know we everything comes with the hand uh that you know our choices, strong soul, you know, you know, be strong and always make the right choice. And like that can be from everything, from doing good by people or, you know, um, discipline or doing right by your family or by your partner or by whatever, or by your work, whatever. Um, that's the values that she instilled in me. And I think that that came, like I still went to church when I was living in, I went to Melbourne when I was, 16 to the Australian Ballet School and she died that same year and I still went to St. Patrick's Cathedral in Melbourne uh, four times a week and not because like I mean I did I you know I grew up a Catholic but it was because I felt close to her and I missed her so much and I would light a candle for every night I just really I loved her and I I don't think I realized how much she influenced me until after she passed away and then for years to come so you know, I think she had very, very good um, understanding of the human condition and and I wish that she lived longer, Kurt, just so I could talk to her more. Yeah. But I, I do talk to her. I talk to her anyway. I named my cat after her. So that oh, that's her. great. <laughs> um, when, was the last, when was the last time you cried and why? Um, oh, look, I cry all the time. I... Um, I'm in touch with my emotions. I feel like watching Pixar films is like watching Schindler's List. Like I feel like <laughs> they're the new 
like the, the new Sophie's Choice is Pixar, you know, because it just cuts you right to the core. If I watch a movie on an aeroplane, I'll be in tears. I think, you know, I mean, I've cried a lot recently. Like my dad passed away uh, three months ago. Oh, and um, it's, I know that, thank you. Um, he was a big part of my life. He would have been, you know, probably second to Addy. I was thinking dad or Addy um, because he was a singer, a showman. He was, he, he was, you know, he was a lot of fun. I mean, I can, I like to go out and have a laugh and, and be like dad. He brightened up room and it was just, he was a real, yeah. I mean, he was just a real, he was a big showman, you know, he yeah, was a yeah. singer and but he, he was just this great guy. And anyway, I am. Um, I miss him all the time and I still cry about him every other day because I just, I forget that he's not there and I call him. But weirdly enough, I've had this uh, kookaburra. I'm, I'm in the city in Brisbane at the moment and I have this kookaburra. Today I had two. But this little baby kookaburra has been sleeping on my balcony every night. I don't know where it came, like how it started to come. I wasn't feeding it or anything. But every night it would just come there and then it's, it's everywhere but it would just appear and I just had this feeling it was dad because I would be sitting out on the balcony sometimes at night time looking at the stars stargazing thinking dad but I felt like the kookaburra was dad's way of telling me to laugh and to yeah and then today my sister called and she was crying um about dad uh you know because it just sort of hits you in waves i don't mm. know if you've lost a parent but yeah. it's, sort of, it's one of those things that you can't really you don't really prepare for it until it happens and then when it happens it sort of takes you by surprise and yeah, comes and goes and anyway so she was crying and i said that's all right i get it and i went outside and there were two kookaburras and i said well i said there you go and they're not usually here in the daytime i mean there's usually just one and it comes to sleep at nighttime by itself but today there were two they're in the daytime looking at me and i said well there's one for you and one for me and dad wants us to laugh oh that's <laughs> so, lovely yeah that's, that's what uh, is that, yeah that's lovely um and what is your current state of mind oh my current state of mind is oh Oh, it's been it's been a lot of work. Um, I've been I'm trying to be incredibly grateful um, because I feel I um, I feel like when I'm really busy, I get very creative, and I haven't been um, this busy for a long time. Where I've sort of had like a, I've got the Brisbane Festival opening. Uh, my second show at the Brisbane Festival was I sort of created this new show for them to the opening and now I've got my new show Human um, opening on the same night as Pack to the Raptors, same day, 17th. So there's a lot going on and I've just wrapped on this movie up here um, and like just wrapped and I've been doing 17 hour days some days just going on two hours sleep so my main thing is like been just to keep going and to make sure that i do the best that i can to make good choices but also just to like constantly remain grateful there's this book i have i wish i, I i'm gonna grab it for you right now i'm gonna show yeah. it to you hold on i know you can edit it. 
Yeah, look, there's this book I read at night called Did You Pray? And I read it. Look, see, I must say, I'm still at once you can't call it. Yeah. It's not actually a, a it's a it's a it's um it's a book that I bought when I was at um a retreat in um India and I found this beautiful book. I was staying there and I just love it because it brings me back down to like it just it just goes through everything from did you play for the planet, for the light, the warmth, the air, for for where you are in life did you pray for the fact did you remember that you are so lucky to be alive and did you remember that there's so many people less fortunate than you are and so I can't complain about work at all because I live and I work and and I that's what I want that's what I wanted and that's what I prayed for and they always say how do you make an actor complain give them a job yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> so i don't i my my mindset that was a very long answer no i love it i'm grateful yeah <laughs> no i love it um what do you question eight is what do you consider your greatest achievement um, oh, yeah <laughs> like making it making it uh like getting through it like getting through i think i've overcome uh you know Personally, there's been a lot of times in my life where I've had hurdles that have been really challenging for me on a personal level, whether it was like strange situations like my brother being in the pool or even right. randomly becoming famous or and not intending on any of that ever actually happening. But um, it's just, I think actually everyone, like your greatest achievement, if you can't, if, if, if anyone's ever struggling for their greatest achievement, it's waking up that day because it takes a lot these days. Mm-hmm. It takes a huge amount to be alive at this point in time and coping. And um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I can't say that I've got children or anything like that, but I think just the fact that there have been times in my life where it's been darker than lighter and and how easy it is to just think that you could just have all let it go but i think actually my greatest achievement is just surviving and keep going yeah man that makes sense i hope that's not too dark an answer no it's not i mean i I understand you know once we've kind of survived a life in this industry if you can survive for a long time then you've seen everything Mm, exactly uh who would you want on your side in a battle and why Oh, I don't know. Um, well, obviously, you just want your friends and your family because, but you know, I'd assume. Um, but if I had to narrow it down, I'd say probably my mum because I sure as hell wouldn't want her on the other side. <laughs> I just definitely wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't want to go up against that one. Um, no, yeah. Mum, but also just no. Nah, all I'd want is just my my mates, my friends, my family, because I'd do anything for them, and I know that they'd do anything for me. So, and I've got a few, you know, I'm like one of six. I'm number oh. six. Oh no, I'm one of seven. I'm number six of seven kids, but they've got family, and then my friends are all, you know, spectrum. Like yeah. great, but like you know, I would go. I've I I've never really been in a battle. Actually, I mean, I'm, I've I have gone into battle for people, but not physically. 
but uh, to sort stuff out. But uh, I have friends that definitely would make up for my lack of physicality in a battle. Like I wouldn't get into a punch-up. So I'm like, let's be rational. But I've got other friends that would just go straight in, pick up a bottle, smash it, and go, what are yeah, you yeah. saying? <laughs> like, that's yeah, funny. I've got a sister that's like, you know, like she's pretty, she's a bit older, and but she like, you know, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't even want her to misunderstand something. Like if we were like leaving a footy match and someone called something out to me or, or your beauty rafter or something like that. I wouldn't even want her to catch wind of it yeah, yeah. because if she misunderstood or even if they did say something offensive, she'd, I'd have to be holding her back to save that person's life. So, yeah. 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 So it's is, good to have that kind of family. Oh, well, Sheridan, Irish, Irish stock? Irish. Irish, yeah. Irish Catholic. Ah, uh, well, there oh, you go. Oh, Sheridan. Yeah. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Nasty fighting with us. Not today, not anything. Not today, Satan. It makes sense. <laughs> um, the last question is: What would you like your last words to be? Switch me off. Um, I'm done. I think my last <laughs> words. What would be really great for my last words to be was: I've got to tell you something that I've never told anyone ever before. <laughs> and cut. <laughs> and then out and then out uh i loved oscar wilde's last words were either the drapes go or i go and then he died <laughs> and i stayed at that hotel it's called l'hotel in paris and um and i stayed in that hotel and they still have the same drapes. i wasn't in his room but they they've made a point of keeping the hotel exactly the way it is because it was famous for oscar wilde's Dying there, and he said, "Either the drapes go, or I go." And then he died. My line. dad's finest last words were always love, and his dad's last words were, "The party's over." And maybe, given our conversation, my last words should be, "No regrets." Thank you so much for tuning in to 10 Questions. We'd also like to thank all the guests that appear on the show. And if you have a minute, please subscribe via iTunes or your podcast app and leave us a rating. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me on Twitter at Adam Zwar. So until next time, thanks for joining us. Ever think about the call takers and dispatchers at 911? They're the unsung heroes of our public safety system, the first among first responders. Their jobs are stressful and demanding, yet they keep us safe and calm in life or death situations every day. Let's join together and thank the professionals at 911 for being there when we need them most, for saving lives and protecting communities. Show your support for 911. Visit thankyou911.org. That's thankyou911.org.